Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, I'm Nigel Lithgow, and I was the executive producer of Pop Stars, My Idol, Pop Idol, and American Idol. And these are my idol memories. Before we get into this week's podcast topic, which is the wild card show, where the judges finally got a chance to put who they wanted through into the final top 10, I'm going to take a look at what the press was saying at this point about the first season of American Idol. Not all the papers had a good word for it. Quite naturally, Simon Cowell was getting the brunt of the critiques. A writer in the Los Angeles Times wrote, Simon's ego is so large, it is the only man-made object that can be seen from space. One reporter in Dallas said, he wears muscle shirts to accessorize his overall vanity. Other nasty remarks involved Cowell's makeup. It was suggested that his makeup artist needed to remove the white concealer under his eyes as it made him look like a raccoon. (laughs) Other reporters were quite happy with Simon's honesty. The Wall Street Journal said, Simon Cowell's judgments may be stern, but they are sharp, and his stardom attests to the fact that deep down, Americans still hunger for the truth. Funny that it takes a Brit to remind us. Amazingly, That's what my fellow executives, Brits, Kenny Warwick, Simon Fuller and Simon Cowell, along with French executive Cécile Frocataz, often laughed at the fact that five foreigners had brought the American dream back to America. USA Today also applauded Simon, and I quote, Cowell is the greatest British export since the Beatles. That is praise indeed. The New York Times, too, felt that Cal was doing a good job and wrote, In an age when parents aren't able to confront their children's shortcomings, it seems like Cal is the only one who will. (laughs) I've always wondered now that Simon has got his own son, Eric, who, I have to say, looks just like him. I wondered how he treated Eric. Can you imagine? Eric, the last thing I want to do is hurt you but it's still on my list. Or, there are only so many words I can drag out of my vocabulary to say how awful you are. Or, Eric, when you cry, you sound like three cats being dragged up the freeway. (laughs) In truth, I know for a fact he's a great dad. I've met them both on vacation in Barbados and seen what a wonderful hands-on and doting father he is. But that's him being smart. He knows you should always be nice to your kids because they're the ones that's going to choose your nursing home later in life. Getting back to the press, it was the Washington Post that had the most damning critique, not about Simon alone, but the entire show. It was written by Pulitzer Prize-winning TV critic Tom Shales. The headline was, 
American Idol, Fool's Gold from Fox. I have to acknowledge that it was very well written, but it did hurt me a great deal back in 2002 when we were doing everything in our power to make a great show that we hoped would be successful. Let me read you some parts of it. It starts like this. Who says there are no new ideas? Each week, often twice, the Fox Network airs its latest innovation. A talent show with no talent. Or at best, precious little. But people who tune into American Idol may not be watching it for the alleged talent on display, but rather to enjoy another exercise in humiliation television. It's also roadkill TV, a gruesome spectacle that you can't help slowing down to stare at. Most of the contestants, ages from 16 through 24, will need lots of work merely to rise to the level of mediocrity. Still more, to graduate to competence. Several would require an outright talent transplant. I mean, this guy could replace Simon Cowell any day of the week, couldn't he? Let me carry on. But none appears to lack self-confidence, and the fecklessly sappy hosts Ryan Seacrest and Brian Dunkelman smother them with praise for having the guts to make love to themselves in public. Seated amongst the contestants on a recent show, Clunky Dunky declared fatuously, There's a lot of love in this room. The contestants all clapped and cheered, and Ryan Seacrest is forgettable, and that's why he is so good at his job. This really does go on, doesn't it? Subtitled The Search for a Superstar, though it is unlikely that one will actually emerge, Idol obviously follows in the footsteps of Star Search, Showtime at the Apollo, also elements of MTV's monumentally insufferable real world. Fox executives knew the show needed edge, that most valued of modern entertainment commodities, so they tossed in a spleeny meanie to liven it up. That would be Simon Cowell. The other two judges, plump music executive Randy Jackson, he's going to be happy about that one, isn't he? And dancer Paula Abdul tend to be mealy-mouthed goody-goodies. Though on a recent show... Jackson had a near-violent tantrum over Cowell's alleged cruelty to the contestants. Jackson thought it outrageous that the snitty Brit referred to the losers as losers and had barked, This is America. We don't insult people. We don't? When did those rules change? Tensions between Abdul and Cowell may be one of the show's strongest selling points even if it did take the producers somewhat by surprise. As someone who says she likes to look at the glass half full, Abdul oozes insipid encouragement even to the least impressive contestants, usually rewarding them with good job, really good job, or great job. She thinks it takes courage just to get up there and sing in front of a national audience. It does, but it also takes an ego as big as Mount Baldy. By this time, all the finalists have got fan clubs, consisting mainly of screaming teenage girls 
the new custodians of American popular culture, in case you've been wondering where it went. In addition, contestants with weak voices now get the benefit of unseen backup singers and a full pre-recorded orchestral arrangement. Whereas on earlier shows, they sang with just piano accompaniment. The background singers and band often carry the melody line in case the contestants lose track of it. To judge from the way most of the contestants are dressed, quaffed and, yes, pierced, this is more freak show than talent show. The competition seems to depend on looks and attitude. Most of the female contestants have not got plunging necklines, but plunging waistlines. They are determined we see their navels and perhaps the tattoos beneath them, and as much skin between hips and breasts as the law will allow. The most blatant offender, and one of the least auspicious contestants, is the fire-breathing Ryan Starr, who looks like she eats live mice for breakfast. (laughs) She does have determination, though. Determination befitting a fascist director. Ouch! Can you believe this tough critic? My God. Okay, carrying on. One thing the show unwittingly demonstrates is how little it now takes to be passed off as a pop singer and how low what was once an art form has sunk. Apparently, appearance not only counts, it counts for everything. Virtually all the finalists are P.O.W. thin. With pencil legs and pipe cleaner arms, it's creepy. Gore Vidal once said, Having no talent is no longer enough. It appears having no flesh on your bones is also a requirement. What else is this guy going to critique? Oh yeah, Justin Guarini. Here it comes. With his fluffy round puff of frizz topping a spindly stick figure body, the alarmingly androgynous Justin Guarini looks like a dandelion being electrocuted. Can he sing? Well, no. But almost and he sucks up shamelessly to the crowd, a bad habit shared by some of his competitors. He turns on the cute with insidious cunning, and the girls, of course, scream on cue. Last week, they all went to work building a house for the Habitat of Humanity project. If they build as well as they sing, the house will be condemned as unsafe before anyone has a chance to move in. American Idol is indeed good for a giggle but it's a cause for lament too. Style being passed off as substance, attitude being substituted for ability, a perverse twisting of democratic ideals to encompass the notion that even the manifestly untalented deserve a spotlight, an audience, and a cheering section of their own. Real American singers of true American songs wouldn't be caught dead in a place like this. There was quite a bit more in the article, but I've left out the bad parts. Anyway, thank goodness he was wrong and the show went on to great success and produced numerous superstars. For now, let's get back to our journey to find out our first season's superstar. This week... I will be reminiscing on The Wild Card Show. 
So far, America had chosen nine contestants to be put through to a top ten, and now it was a chance for the judges to choose one person that they could put through. Maybe this would make Simon a little happier, as he was already pissed that America had put through what he deemed as two losers. So, so far, the nine contestants are Tamira Gray, Ryan Starr, Jim Vararos, Justin Guarini, Kelly Clarkson, A.J. Gill, Christina Christian, E.J. Day, and Kristen Holt. Five singers had been asked to return in order to audition for the judges. The five that were thrown a lifeline were from Group 1, Kelly Glover and Chris Aaron, from Group 2, Angela Peel and Alexis Lopez, and finally, from Group 3, R.J. Helton, who had stood there the week before listening to that explosive argument between Randy and Simon. Certainly on last week's podcast, Randy Jackson and I went through the entire sequence of what led up to that argument. Simon had remarked that there had been a couple of monkeys put through so far by America, and Randy got really upset by the word monkeys. But when it was explained that monkeys in the UK had an entirely different meaning, Randy calmed down. However, at the time, it was pretty frightening. Well, then I have a problem. I have a problem with Simon, and I think we need to talk about this later. we can discuss it some other time. No, we need to talk about this later. This is crazy. Thank goodness that got sorted out. Well, back to the wild card show. When the judges were asked why these five... Randy answered, Well, I think we picked some really good ones. I think you're going to see some really good singing tonight. I think all of these five can really sing. Paula thought all five were truly gifted. I think it's going to be an interesting show tonight because I think anyone has that chance to be on the 10th chair. Simon made his feelings known from the start. They're not all my favourites. Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe. Maybe we won't. Kelly Glover was the first contestant in her initial audition. Simon had told her that she had the X Factor with a capital X. On her top notes, Kelly had the unfortunate habit of closing her throat, giving a slightly strangulated sound to the note. Both Randy and Paula felt she needed to work on that aspect of her singing and loosen up her vocal cords. Certainly, Deborah Bird, our vocal coach, was helping her do that as well. Now, during rehearsals for the first semi-final... Kelly couldn't decide what she should sing. So she called her mum and got the advice, sing, I will always love you, or don't come home. I certainly hope her mum was joking. So in order to please her mum, that's exactly what she sang. And unfortunately, even though Paula and Randy liked her song choice, Simon told her she wasn't Whitney Houston and that she wasn't that good a singer, so she should stop trying to copy her. He also thought it sounded like karaoke. Now, whether the viewers agreed with him or not, the fact was their vote didn't put her into the top three. So Simon's advice for tonight's show was honest and straight to the point. Kelly, you're a great star potentially. You're a fantastic-looking girl. You try and do a Whitney Houston impersonation tonight, you're not going to get my vote. Well, Kelly didn't rely on her mum that night. She'd chosen a Michael Bolton song, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? 
Now, Paula thought it was great to hear her sing a song by somebody else. For the first time, I could hear you without hearing a Whitney song and making a reference to or a comparison to, and I really liked that. And I think you did very nice. Randy agreed and congratulated her. It was an interesting choice, and I, I liked you singing something different. And you actually didn't try and oversing it, which was really good because I felt, you know, sometimes people come up with these songs and try and oversing them a little bit, trying to impress us. But keep it up like that. It's going to be a strong, competitive night, yo. Simon thought she had done terrifically well. So who chose this song, you or your mother? I chose this song. Okay, see, I thought you did terrific tonight. Oh, and and the great thing was is that we were seeing you as you this time. And we, we keep talking about originality being important in this competition, and you showed originality, and I thought you looked and sounded fantastic. A very happy Kelly Glover returned to the Red Room. Ryan thought her song selection could make or break her and asked why she chose that particular Michael Bolton song. Kelly gave him a very smart reply. Because I knew that um, there was no way that I could sound like Michael Bolton, and I knew I could be more original. <laughs> Time for Chris Aaron from Atlanta to take the stage. He sang his version of Brian McKnight's beautiful ballad, Still in Love, in his first semi-final. Randy raved that Chris had done a great job. Paula thought he had the voice of an angel. And Simon teased him with, I don't think you've shone in this competition. Followed by a long pause before saying, Until now, that was fantastic. The viewers, unfortunately, didn't agree and he wasn't voted into one of the top three places on offer. I'm sure he was hoping that tonight would be his night to move into the top ten. We'd just been talking about song choice as he started singing the Boys to Men track on Bended Knee. I must say I thought he was in trouble. As so many before him throughout the series, he was trying to do too many runs and he looked terribly uncomfortable while doing some very strange arm movements. He was one of my favourites and I wanted him to do really well. Randy felt that Christopher tried to do too much. You did a good job. I mean, I thought you got caught between some notes rhythmically and a little sharp and flat, a little stuff, but it was good. Paula agreed and said his performance just didn't connect. While Simon felt there was a thin line between being cool and being boring. It didn't look good for Christopher Aaron. 17-year-old Alexis Lopez was next. I thought she should have gotten through on her first semi-final, but she sang I Will Survive Again, and Simon told her after she sang the same song at her first audition in Los Angeles that she should pick a better song for herself and not sound like a karaoke singer. She didn't seem to understand it was pretty silly doing it again on her semi-final. The fact was, she had been a standout in LA because so many of the singers had been poor. Randy created one of the best moments in LA for me when he critiqued a young man who misunderstood what he'd said. You definitely need a lot of work on your singing voice. You're very, very pitchy. What was bitchy about my performance? Oh. No, pitchy. Pitchy. <laughs> pitchy. Pitchy. Oh, pitch. oh God. <laughs> hilarious. But right now, he was giving Alexis some good advice, which we all hoped she would not misunderstand. She's always chose the wrong song. She did I Will Survive twice. 
which really didn't help her because that's really not the song for a 17, 18 year old girl to be singing. If she chooses the right song and sings her heart out, she's got a chance. There are certain songs like Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive that have become known in the industry as karaoke songs. Unfortunately, a lot of Whitney Houston songs are looked at in the same light. I'm sure Alexis wasn't aware of that when she chose Saving All My Love For You. She'd previously sang that song in Pasadena. She sang it well, if a little too loud. Simon said how disappointed he was in her song choice. You've done it again. It is, it's karaoke once again. It is so frustrating for me. Very, very disappointed. Paula disagreed with Simon and thought Alexis had done a great job and should be proud of herself. While Randy thought it was crazy, but he found himself in agreement with Simon. It certainly didn't happen very often. He thought she had a powerful voice, but it was like karaoke, and he just didn't get it. Well, I thought she looked great. I thought she sounded great, but she just needed a lot of help in choosing material. That's what we were all there for. In speaking with Simon some weeks later, he told me he felt Alexis could become a star if she would just concentrate on material for a Latino market. I don't know if she ever got that advice, but I hope that she's done well since then. The last time RJ Helton stood in front of the judges, he witnessed possibly the worst argument on American Idol, with the exception of Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj, But that is to be discussed on a much later episode of my podcasts. Wait for that one. That now had all been forgiven and everything had calmed down as RJ began singing, Well, I'm a man of many wishes from Stevie Wonder's 1980 hit Lately. The only wish I guessed RJ had right now was to be put through into the top 10. Before the show, Paula had offered this advice to him. Most importantly, do not remember anything that Simon said to you or whatever happened. Wipe it out. It certainly looked like RJ had taken that advice as he sang beautifully and confidently. Randy Jackson enthused. I'm just so speechless and so happy for you. Brilliant, brilliant. Paula gave a perfect critique. I'm thrilled that you are here because there's nothing like getting a chance. When you fall from grace after an argument like this, now you're back. You blew us away. Thank Your you. voice sounded great. Great song. You did Stevie Pratt. Simon started rather worrying. I didn't think you should be here. And then left it those tense few seconds before rescuing the situation with... However, based on that performance, I thought you did fantastic. The whole studio relaxed. On RJ's return to the Red Room, Brian Dunkelman reminded RJ of what he had said the week before. I heard you say last week that if you got chosen to be a wild card that you didn't want to come back. You yeah, said that, didn't you? I did. I, I just had mixed emotions about it, I think. Well, I think a lot of contestants at this point wish that RJ had not come back. With her nose pierced and tons of tattoos, Angela Peel took to the stage. Before the show, Simon had recorded a message for her. Angela, I think you scared a lot of people off with the piercings. You don't scare me. I think you've got a great voice and I think you've got a good chance of getting through. I think we were all shocked when AJ Gill got into the top 10 and not Angela, but here was her chance right now. She sang Shirley Murdoch's 
As We Lay. A difficult tune, Paula didn't like the song choice and Randy didn't feel as though she hit the right notes, sometimes sharp, sometimes just under the note, a little flat. All the attention moved to Simon. I wouldn't take any notice of what those two just said. You proved on there that you are a star, he gushed, and then rather emotionally went on to say... You know what really irritates me? What? is the fact that we can only put one That's of true. you through. Mm -hmm. That's where the toughest This part. is really, really wrong, which has happened, because there are people who should not be in this top ten, and there are people in this room who should be in the top ten, based on talent. Angela returned to the Red Room, and the judges began their deliberations. As the chairman of the panel of judges, Simon reminded them that it was important to choose someone tonight that could possibly win the competition. This would be the only top 10 member chosen by the judges, and he didn't want someone that would be kicked out in the first week. They started with Kelly Glover. All three judges felt that she'd sung very well that evening. It's really difficult to argue for her not to go through to the next round. Next on the list was Christopher Aaron. Randy said, although he didn't bring it tonight, he actually loved the sound of his voice. Simon started yawning very loudly and moaned, who cares, he's just boring. They moved on to discuss Alexis Lopez. I think she has a lot of the things that we're looking for in this competition. Absolutely. Simon moved on quickly to RJ Helton. I'm really glad that RJ came back tonight and kind of shut you up. He was criticized, I believe quite rightly, he came back and proved a point. Yeah. That is what being an artist is about. Randy and Paula nodded knowingly. Moving on to Angela Peel, Randy felt... Tonight she didn't sing well. Simon said he really liked her. And Paula thought she was edgy and had her own thing. She followed that by saying... She's got that toughness in her voice and it's still got that beauty. In summing up, Simon reminded the panel... They wouldn't be judging the singers just on tonight's performance alone, but including everything from the initial auditions through Pasadena and their first semi-finals. After the commercial break, the top nine were introduced and walked to their seats on stage, leaving one seat vacant for the final member to join them. The wild card five were already standing on the set very nervously in a straight line. They looked as though they were in front of a firing squad. It was pointed out to Ryan Starr that she had experienced this moment of waiting and wondering before she got voted into the top ten. And Ryan Seacrest asked her to look at these five and wondered what was going through their heads right now. She answered quite succinctly. They probably want to pee in their pants. <laughs> well, thank goodness that didn't happen. Debbie Williams, our floor manager, would have been very upset. The five now were being asked to step one at a time in front of the judges. Kelly was the first to step forward. Simon started by saying something very strange. Kelly, you look fabulous. If I come back in a former life, I want to be that piece of jewellery. He followed up with... I think you've shown to all of us what a star you are in the making. RJ was the next, and Simon informed him. I met your mother. You did. And she doesn't like me. Uh -uh. I wanted to tell Simon she wasn't the only one, and in fact, 
she was joining a growing band, uh, but refrained. Simon was very pleased that RJ had returned and told him that he'd done well. Next was Alexis. Simon said that she had enormous potential, but she had chosen the wrong songs. She stepped back into line a little depressed. When Angela Peel stepped forward, he told her that she had been the most consistent artist of everyone on the stage and that he believed she had a fantastic career ahead of her. Angela stepped back with renewed confidence. Chris ambled forward with his hands behind his back. He knew Simon wasn't a fan, and sure enough, Simon's opening line was, I haven't been as much of a fan of yours as the other two. Um, and I think, you know, if I was going to give you some advice, Chris, I would say that personality does count for a lot in this, in this business as well. And even though you're laid back, it can be perceived as being dull. Ryan felt the entire judgment had been dragged out for too long and was getting very bored with listening to Simon. All right, I do believe we have dragged this out long enough. Judges and Simon, your final decision, who takes this chair? We have made a unanimous decision. RJ. The studio silence erupted into a cacophony of, of 14 people celebrating. This would be the last time the idols would experience an empty studio. From the following week, it would be packed with screaming, cheering fans that would carry them through to the Kodak Theater where the initial statement of you're going to Hollywood would eventually be fulfilled. Simon was asked for a final statement and of course, he had to put a pin in their balloon. There is only one winner in this competition. We are gonna be much tougher on you. The audience is gonna be much tougher on you. It is a live show, live orchestra. God help all of you. Yes, indeed, God help them all. Well, a man that was actually there in the studio some 18 years ago is with me now. Welcome back, Justin Guarini. So glad to see you Listen, again. Well, it's good to be seen. My pleasure, it's an honor. Now, Justin, you did really well on your initial audition in New York City. Huge compliments from Simon. We've spoken about that in the past. And you were consequently invited to Hollywood. But you have a big decision to make, don't you? I do. I had just been told about... Um, a week before I left, that I was being given the opportunity to be on Broadway. And I had been working for this for so long. I ended up turning down what would have been my Broadway debut in The Lion King, a smash musical sure. for this show no one had ever heard of. I, 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 I don't know anything about it, but I may get cut, but can I call you in a week? And so basically, you know, that old joke of Broadway's calling, uh, they called and I said, can you hold please? And it wasn't until I got to Pasadena, got through at least the first round of cuts and was walking down the aisle in the Pasadena Civic Center, looking at the stage, when it hit me like a wave, I started crying. And I realized that stage before me is the stage that Michael Jackson first did the moonwalk on in Motown 50th, where so many of my heroes had done amazing performances and there was this feeling inside me that said something is right about this and I've got to go with this. And I immediately called Broadway and I said, thank you so very much for the opportunity, but I'm going to go with this show. Not something I recommend people do, right, right, but it was right. something that worked out so well for me. It did indeed. So you've succeeded. You've gotten through Pasadena. 
and you're down to the top 30 and you're split into then three groups of 10. You sang Ribbon in the Sky in the second group of semi-finalists to which Simon thought Gil had actually sung it better than you. Yeah. But he said Gil didn't have your star charisma. Basically. Yeah, yeah. The public knew who they liked and, and you win your top 10 semi-finalist group. Kelly Clarkson had sung a good version of Respect uh, and Simon said she had a good voice but he didn't remember her. Mm -hmm. Randy remembered her because in actual fact she got Randy up from the table and sat down as a judge and, yes. and, and Randy, I think, sang I Believe I Can Fly. Yes. And Kelly put him through to Hollywood, by the way. <laughs> now, both the judges and myself thought that 17-year-old Alexis Lopez would make the third place. Alexis sang I Will Survive, and ironically, she didn't. Yeah. Because A.J. Gill took the third place. Right. Which annoyed the hell out of Simon, if you remember, because <laughs> Jim Vararos had won the week before, and uh, I think basically... Simon thought that they were a couple of losers, as mm. he goes on to say at another point. Mm. Um, so in that group, Tamira Gray and Ryan Starr yes. got through with Jim. Yes. Simon constantly defended his frustration and anger by saying, if these average singers should become the American Idol, then the judges have not done their jobs. Mm. But your evening broke all telephony records with six million telephone votes. Yes. Were you at this point beginning to understand the strength of this program and within five weeks of it being on air, it was breaking records and making a place for itself in television history? You know what? I really didn't get it. And I don't think that we all really got it until after the first live performance of the top 10. And we got, went back to the house. Right. We had this house on Mulholland Drive that yep. overlooked the expanse of Los Angeles. Right. And it was one of those Hollywood moments where... We got back and we watched the show on the West Coast feed and we saw the news bumper that came before it. We saw the reaction that came after it. We saw, we, we got a, a taste of what it must have been like to be the audience. Right. And that was when it hit me. And I know Kelly, for sure, we've talked about this. And we realized, oh my goodness, this thing is huge. huge. Because we were, you took really good care of us. I, I, I mean- in a stressful situation like that where millions of dollars are on the line, where we are being asked to do X, Y, and Z and working really hard every single day, you took such good care of us and you protected us from a lot of the riffraff and a lot of the press and people coming, getting at us. And so that was why I kind of didn't really get it until we saw that first live show. Well, we knew how stressful it was. And don't forget, we'd been through it in England with right. Pop Idol. Let me take you back to those... Um, semifinals, mm -hmm. the following week you saw R.J. Helton witnessing an incredible argument between Randy and Simon. Mm. The poor kid had just finished singing I'll Be There and he wasn't going to be at that point. Right. Uh, and Simon suddenly went into a rant uh, about average singers and, and scolded that America had put through two losers. Oof. Now, I'm saying losers in inverted commas sure. uh, because... Well, he admitted later on he was talking about Jim Vararis and, and uh, A.J. Gill. Randy Jackson apparently for no reason exploded, yelling that Simon couldn't speak like that in America. It was a little frightening with Randy standing up and towering over Cowell, yeah. shouting, you want to take it outside? You want to take it outside? <laughs> I must admit, 
uh, as scary as this was, I certainly didn't want anyone to stop it, you know? Sure, of course. This was good television, television gold, good right? television. A lot so, of people were watching. So there was I holding back the head of security, Mike Bichetti, right. at the time. And as it became obvious that Cal certainly wasn't going to take it outside, I stepped in with uh, Ken Warwick, the other executive yes. producer, uh, and we calmed Randy down by explaining that Simon, in actual fact, had not used the word losers. He'd used the word monkeys, Ooh. which is what really wound Randy up yeah. because of the racist connotations sure. of it in this country. Yes. However, in England, we use it as quite a warm epithet mm. for, for cheeky kids. So you say, oh, you cheeky monkey. Yes, of it, course. It's just a terminology. So there was no way that um, Simon meant it in any other way. And certainly A.J. Gill and Jim Vararis are not black anyway. So, you know, th there was no reason to get wound up. But I loved the the entire episode so much, I wanted to keep it, so therefore we then got Simon to say losers. Now, right. did you hear any of this? Did you know this was going on? Oh, of course. We were all backstage. Right. We were all, every single time one of us went out, we were all there watching, supporting. I mean, I know it's a competition, but at the end of the day, Everyone in that cast that season loved everyone else. We all got along. Right. And we all just supported each other. And so when that started happening, at first we were just like, <laughs> because those type of arguments happened, right? Simon would say something inflammatory and either Paula or Randy would get on him about it, right? I mean, that was a dynamic. But there was something different about this. And the fact that you kept cutting between the judges' table and poor RJ, who's just there with the microphone. Scared out of his mind. Going on. Yes. Yeah. It was such it was such television gold, right? Yeah. But we were backstage and like we were all clenched, if you know what I mean. Like yeah, we were yeah. all just like, what's gonna happen? Oh my goodness. Because at that point, we understood the stakes. And we understood that, oh my goodness, this what's going to happen to our show? We were already under enough stress. And then this was something that could have been uh, a real breaking point for the show. Right. Well, after the vote, poor RJ did not get through. Uh, but Christina Christian, EJ Day, and Ryan Starr did. Mm. So now we have nine places filled. And we're going to do a wild card show right. for the judges to pick one of five contestants. And they brought back... R.J. Helton, yeah. Angela Peel, Alexis Lopez, Chris Aaron, and Kelly Glover. Mm -hmm. You were listening backstage on the night. Which one of those five would you have put through? Say the names again. Mm -hmm. R.J. Helton, Angela Peel, Alexis Lopez, Chris Aaron, and Kelly Glover. Um, I think that Kelly was doing a little bit too much of Whitney. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, yeah. I always tell my students, it's like, there's already a Beyonce. We don't need another one. Right. Don't, em, you know, don't imitate, emulate. Yeah. And all in all, I mean, I got to stick by my, by my boy, RJ. I mean, I really think that it may have been song selection that did him in because he's a beautiful singer with a beautiful voice. He's got a beautiful message. And unfortunately at the time, he was not able to tell his full story. Right. So you'd have put RJ through? Sure. As did the judges. Yeah. Justin, been great speaking to you again. Nice speaking to you too. Thanks. Thanks. 
So that's where we'll leave it this week. We have a top 10 consisting of Tamira Gray, Nikki McKibben, Kelly Clarkson, Ryan Starr, Christina Christian, Justin Guarini, Jim Vararas, and our trio of initials, RJ, EJ, and AJ. Oh, you Americans, what, whatever happened to the great English names like Ethelred, Egbert, and Archibald? Well, I guess that's another story. This is NBL signing off. Now, don't forget to subscribe to My Idle Memories. Until next time, stay safe. Cue music. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.